It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack. We are going to discuss the NCAA Regional Championships today and announce the 31 teams going to Tallahassee, pending getting the results for the Mountain Region men's race. Gordon, good afternoon. How are you? Doing good, yes. This is, has been, we are at mercy of the timerrunnercard.com. Uh, I'm not sure if it's his website, if it's Provo's uh, Wi-Fi connection or what some server, I don't know, some sabotaging going on from a bubble team because they don't want them to know that what the real results of Mountain are. Maybe they're down to the whole, you know, popsicle sticks where you get a popsicle yeah. stick in your place. Remember that old school technology? I love it. Uh, but love we, it. Don't, we don't know the men's Mountain Regional results. And that's okay because there are two genders. So we'll break down this woman's field before we get into the men's field to give ourselves t- give the mountain regional time to give us the results because mm-hmm. we're going blind right now. We have no idea. I do know BYU men won and Northern Arizona men got second based off of reports from those two coaches. They said, I think we won. I think we got second. So that's mm-hmm. the only information that I have from the mountain men's regional. But there it we'll is. get to it later in the podcast. So. Yeah, that'll give them time to reboot all the computers. Maybe they got a blue screen of death situation out there in Provo. Hard reset. 
and then we'll get to the men. So we'll start with the first of the women. We're going to go region by region. And if you're watching right now on YouTube or watching archived on YouTube, on the, the side of the screen, those are the top two teams from all the regions. And then we're going to fill in the at-larges as well, too. But we're going to talk about each region individually. First, go over the highlights. And then Gordon is going to tell you the 19th through 31st teams that get in based on the at-large. So we'll start first. South women, Ole Miss and Florida State, the two autos here. Gordon, for you, what was the, the headline out of the South region? Uh, first of all, Alabama, a team that we thought could podium nationally, couldn't even get top two in their own regional. But Alabama did get third. They're still, spoiler alert, Alabama's probably still going to make the meet at-large-wise. Um, but they didn't run one of their top four runners in Tanisma, who is mm – -hmm. A great runner. She finished top three overall at Nationals last year. So you throw her in a mix, they would have put four in the top 10 at the region. And their fifth runner was Jamie Reed, a, a woman who DNF'd at SECs. She finished in the 30s here. So it looks like she can able to put together her first true race. Maybe Alabama does have that fifth woman who is available to put in some magical race finish top 70 and then all of a sudden Alabama is looking at a podium finish if maybe even a win because they have the best four in the nation they just have mm -hmm. the worst five in the nation as well so um the story there was Alabama showed that they do have a potential fifth but there's also an unknown with Tanisma who decided not to race we'll see if mm -hmm. that was for to be fresh for nationals if she's dealing with an injury we don't know but Ole Miss Florida State that made sense that they qualify in Alabama there in third. When a big-name runner gets held out, we always base that decision. We look at that decision through the prism of how good the team is. And if the team's really good, you think, ah, they're just saving them for later. And if the team was on the bubble or not a, sh not a sure thing, we think, oh, well, there must be something wrong. But the, op the opposite could be true as well, too. You could sit out being on a good team because, because of an injury, and you could sit out – being on the bubble just because your coach is really confident that you're going to be able to get in or your coach knows that, hey, this person's going to need a little bit of extra time there. So Ole Miss and Florida State in in the South, Alabama likely in as a third place finisher. Yes, likely. likely. I can give one reveal. There's 13 at large. They're one of the 13. <laughs> I'll tell you that. So we'll Gordon's like, save it for the are. end. I should say so like, maybe we should save it for the end. Save it for the end. Maybe we shouldn't talk too much about third and fourth and fifth place in these regions. Let's just talk about the autos because we don't want to reveal our reveal before the reveal. It's hard, though. It's hard to not talk about who got third when you're talking about the whole race, especially when there's some surprises. We'll try with this next one. Here we go. Southeast, NC State, as expected, cruises. North Carolina gets the other auto bid. bid Casey, uh, Kelsey Camille, excuse me, from North Carolina State wins this race for the Wolfpack. Um, looking pretty good. I mean, just, just took care of business here. I noticed that Hannah Steelman did not run for NC State. She's someone who they could add in later on, obviously. Caitlin Tui looked really good in second, but NC State first with 34 points and then North Carolina with 73. Yeah, this is the future of the Southeast Regional with uh, Milt now taking over the North Carolina program, getting them to their to the national championship meet. They have like all freshmen and one senior in Paige Hofstad. So we're going to see a lot of NC State, North Carolina, one, two finishes in this region for many years to come. 
Mid-Atlantic. Can we jump to the Mid-Atlantic? You ready? Let's do it. Okay. Jump, I didn't know how jump. fast. I didn't know how fast you. Well, were I don't know. I mean, these things. I think we should go fast because there's a lot to talk about later on when we true. actually unveil the other teams, and we got to talk about the men as well. So, true, true, uh, true. Mid-Atlantic for the women. Georgetown, 43 points. They went two, three, seven with Corman, Donahue, and Jones. And West Virginia gets second with 67 points. McCabe has been awesome all year, continued that today. She she won the race um, and continued her, her stellar season. So Georgetown and West Virginia get auto bids. Villanova and Princeton third and fourth. Yeah, big run for West Virginia, uh, led by McCabe, who is an individual contender. Now she has a team with her. I'm sure she's happy she gets to go to nationals not by herself and uh i think that's actually going to help her if you think about it like if she would have been there as an individual there felt there would have been a more of like uh it's all on me it's all on me to represent west virginia i gotta do well i gotta do well but now that she's there with her team she can kind of focus on hey i could be an important aspect to my team and then the pressure of needing to win overall is not going to really be in her mind as much going into the meet. So in a way, having her six other teammates with her is probably going to help her mentally be more calm, have less, you know, expectation and be able to, you know, potentially pull off the win because she's running very well. She saw what she did at Nuttycomb. She saw what she did at Big 12s. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's looking pretty good for uh, uh, her going into nationals. Northeast, Northeast Regional, Harvard. Wins it, 71 points, 5, 9, 18, 19, 20. Nice pack for the Crimson. Second place, Syracuse, 81 points. They were led by Amanda Vestry, who blew out this field. Gordon won by about 24 seconds in this race. Third was Providence, quite a bit back. So Harvard and Syracuse just separated themselves from the rest of the field in this Northeast regional race. That's great. Sorry, I'm I'm doing two things at once. I'm listening to you talk about this regional, but I'm also getting reports of results in this mountain region. So my brain, while you were talking, yeah. was not paying attention. I was paying attention to something else. So you might need a kind of what are your thoughts on all of these results, Kevin? All of, all of them to, all of them together. I, do you want me to just go speed through the rest of these? I mean, mountain, mountain, or sorry, Midwest. We got Minnesota. Oklahoma State, South Central, Arkansas just crushed it. Rice got in there. I saw, obviously, Grace Forbes uh, gets the win there, but I noticed in your 255, Rice only has one runner in the, in the top 255 individual rankings, and it is Grace Forbes, a very good runner, but just one runner there. Great Lakes, Notre Dame ran really well uh, ahead of Wisconsin. Mountain region, we knew it was going to be incredibly competitive. Again, the results are hard to find from the mountain region. You need... Um, like a forensics background, I guess, like crime scene investigation to try to figure out who actually placed where. But on the women's side, we got a lot more information there with uh, New Mexico and Colorado going one, two. And then out in the West, Stanford and Washington. Um, that was interesting to me. I'll, I'll, let me. Let me zoom in a bit on the West. I'm going to pull those results up right now. Julia Haymock of Stanford with the win. Ruby Smee of San Francisco second. Garcia of Gonzaga was third. Uh, Oregon, third with 84 points. 
uh, Zarbo was fourth and Konyacek was sixth. But Stanford looked pretty good. Haymock won, and then they went Dudek, Jenks, and Aragon, seven, eight, nine. A little bit of a gap back to their their fifth runner with Suarez. But Stanford is a team that, you know, because of all the talent, early season was ranked really high. Then had some poor performances, dropped them a little lower. And you don't know, okay, are they holding people out? Are they just training through? But there was enough data on Stanford to think, okay, well, they're, they're, they're a little bit farther down. But to win this region by 40 points, I mean, they doubled up, or I guess halved, right? Cross country is weird because you want the, the lower score, not the – not the bigger score, but 42 to 84, my point being. They got half of the score of, of runner-up in Washington, and then Oregon was third, Gonzaga fourth, and, and Portland fifth. So that was a good run for, for Stanford out there. That that stood out to me. Um, in terms of Mountain, are do you, were you able to – are the women's results up for Mountain, Gordon? Or are, are we just waiting for the men's? Yeah, women's results are up. Okay, because I – hmm. You didn't see I need those. those. So I got the whole the, website. I just got the whole the website, website was down for me when I was trying to go on the website with the results. It, the whole thing hated me. You didn't ref, you, you didn't have... refresh enough because the key was you have to refresh, but it goes away oh. if you you had to constantly you had to refresh and then screenshot. That was the key. Refresh then screenshot. Interesting. So. Well, yeah, I just don't worry. I might have had. I might have it. I want to talk about the mountain women though, before we move on and okay. talk about the at large, the, the, the non-autos. I just don't, I just don't have it. I mean, I saw the, I saw that, um, obviously New Mexico won and they had a really solid pack there. Do you have those? Can you just email those or put them in the chat for me, Gordon, or mail them to me? I don't know how to get the photograph. You have Polaroids of them. Runner card is so, just, uh, oh, hold on, I think, hold on, hold on, I think I might have it, I think I might have it, I got it, I got it, all right, it? I'm going to read them real Make quick, Turner sure Nito, Cherney Wolfgren, Abby Nichols, Grayson Larkin, yeah. Allison Prey, Anna Camp, Abby, Abby Frenthaway, Summer Allen, Abby Goldstein, Emily Covert, top 10, there you go, Um, so Whitney Orton didn't run for BYU, and I don't think BYU was worried about getting in, I know you had them as a, needing a, a, uh, non-auto to get in anyway. I think I think everybody knew there were going to be a lot of teams that, that got in here. But I was really curious about New Mexico. What would the gap be? And is there anybody who has that top 10 potential? And I think Larkin might be it. Now, I know, hey, it's, it's regionals. You can't assume that much about regionals. We've seen regional all-stars before turn into 150th place finishers at, at nationals. But Larkin, she was five seconds, four to five seconds back of O'Neill, and then Wolfram and Nichols are, are have been solid runners this year. Now, are they title favorites? No, but Larkin separated herself just a little bit from the rest of that New Mexico pack. And then you had Goldstein from New Mexico six seconds back of her, then Heckel twelve seconds back, Upshaw uh, a few seconds back from her, and then Mazi Downey was their fifth runner in. 21st place with a 20.50. So altogether, the gap was from 2022 to 20.50. So 28 seconds from one to five. Pretty solid. Pretty solid there, especially when you see Larkin um, breaking away just a little bit. I still think in order to win, they're going to need somebody with top 10 potential. Maybe Larkin is that person. Okay, let's look at Colorado now. Colorado, Nichols, again, solid in the top three. Covert, 10th, 2029. India Johnson, their third runner. 
then a little bit of a gap back to four with De Janeiro and then Borman, Matty Borman was their fifth at, at 29. So solid run for them. Again, when you have all these powerhouse teams together, there is a tendency to go off the gas, not press the gas because they don't want to reveal too much, especially when you've racked up that many wins throughout the year and you know that you're safe. There's a lot of games being played. I remember the year BYU won the title for the men. NAU looked amazing at the regional. And then you would have not known that a couple of days later, BYU would entirely turn the table. So Mountain Women, I still think it's solid. I still think those three teams are, are podium teams. But with Orton not running, it's hard to tell with BYU. Gordon, you look like you wanted to say something. Are you still going uh, or No, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, calcula- I'm calculating uh, the, uh, the projections. For men. Can we do the women now? Can we do the women? We can do the women. I, I was letting you talk about the regionals. I was just getting myself through the whole... Um, I don't know what I was doing. Uh, sorry, I'm a little off the beat, but I'm ready to go. We can talk. <laughs> we can start re- revealing the women's uh, teams. Sorry. When we had the runner card finally refresh, I got the men's results. I'm able to put them in the calculator, and now we're able okay, to go. Good. And... Uh, yeah, things are things so. Pay are attention. Good. So, starting now, pay attention, everybody. Everything before this, yes. is just whatever. This is a fi- how official are these? Are you confident about these, dude? I'm always confident. I mean, okay. The NCAA does their own little uh, reveal show Saturday, pre-recorded, where they just announce the teams in alphabetical order. We're not going to do that. We're going to announce the teams based on how they were selected, and we'll start with the women. So, are we going? Let's just get right into it. We're going to do it. Yeah, I realize I should be at your house right now. I should hand you an envelope that you've already written the team in, and then you open it and read it. I think that would have been better. Missed opportunity. All right. Sorry we missed that opportunity. So for the women, the 19th team in, the first uh, at-large team, no surprise, is BYU. They had 10 wins. I mean, I don't think we really need to do much on them. We know they are a national title contending team. They were going to qualify whether they finished first, second, third, or last. They have all the points you need. So they're going in. They're the first team in. Next team in is we're getting a little bit of a run here in the mountain, Colorado State. So Colorado mm-hmm. State has uh, eight wins. That's their, their logo didn't show up there. It didn't show up? No, we got the it NA. I'm seeing NA oh, on man. the screen here. Okay. Sorry about that. We got to do this, or maybe I just got to do one of these guys. Let's show up now. Let's see. Getting the NA here. Uh oh. Technical difficulties. Oh, oh, I got it. All right. Oh, okay. Last one. Here we go. Not NA. Boom. Got the period. There it is. All right. I was about to have to. Yeah, I was about to call producer Cole and blame it on him, even though it's not his fault. So Colorado State uh, is next one selected. They were tied with Utah and Providence, but Colorado State won the tiebreakers against Utah and Providence. So they are the next team in with eight wins. With that being said, Utah follows up and gets in as well. As you can see, there's a run here in the mountain. Mountain, The first three teams are all from the mountain. Utah had nine wins. They are going to the championship meet. Next team in, number 22 on our list, is Providence. Now, Providence, they have a bunch of wins as well. So they had eight wins. 
Uh, no other team had eight. There was two other teams with seven, but they are going to the national championship. Providence, team number 22. Uh, number 23 is going to be, there's two teams with seven wins. I won't say what the other team is, but one of them is Iowa State. The other team to be named, not named Iowa State, loses the tiebreaker to Iowa State. So Iowa State gets in. Tell me if the, if the logos don't show up because I'm not seeing myself on the screen. Uh, Looks I'm great. Looking at a different screen. You, you sure. just Keep going. Uh, next team. This is a this is an interesting one. So we have our first push. Northern Arizona women was a team that was a bubble team. They were in the 30s, 30, 28 range of qualifying. They were going from being the first team out to being like one of the first teams in. Uh, they did a good enough job to beat an important team in Utah State. So Utah State is going to push in Northern Arizona. So Northern Arizona gets in, and then Utah State gets in as well. So, so we're at seven mountain teams. Yes, seven mountain teams, Jeez. three Midwest. So it's been all – and three Northeast right now. So – Number 26, uh, we have a we have a three teams with five wins. And the team that wins the tiebreakers among those three teams is the team I teased earlier in the broadcast. It is Alabama Crimson Tide. So uh, Alabama, they're going to the meet. They win a tiebreaker over two other teams. Those two other teams then are now facing off. They have five wins. And the team that gets advantage here is actually Michigan State. Now, Michigan State finished fourth in the Great Lakes. So Michigan State is actually helping out their rivals Uh-oh. in Michigan by pushing in fellow Michiganders. What do they call themselves? Michiganders? Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. We have Michigan and Michigan State. Boom. They get in. So Michigan State had five wins. They push in a Michigan who only had three wins, but Michigan gets in via the push. So we're at three teams left. And we're having a little bit of run here in the Great Lakes because Butler is the next Mm -hmm. team in. Butler had six wins, most wins among teams eligible to be selected. They go. And then I'll just cut right to the chase here for the number 30 team is Villanova. They get in just barely. Uh, as the second to last team in, they had five wins. And then last but not least, we have two teams for fighting for this final spot. The two teams are the University of Oregon and the University of Connecticut. Polar opposites of the country. Mm. One is, you know, has a laundry list of accolades being Oregon, obviously. Yeah. UConn, not as many accolades. UConn recently you know, decided, lost their track. Yeah, they have a couple of track, but UConn lost their track, men's track team, I believe, or one. they lost a cross-country team. Is it that they lost? Well, yeah, and they got, the they got partially got it back. I was just saying they have a lot of accolades in other back. sports. That's what I was saying. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just other sports. So both of these teams have five wins. Connecticut and Oregon both have five wins. Um, the thing is... Oregon beat UConn at the Nutty Comb Invitational. So head-to-head tiebreaker, Oregon 
advantage. UConn, Oregon Ducks are your last, last team, team in on the women's side. Wow. Some With drama there. UConn, UConn being the first team out. They lose on tiebreaker. Um, there wasn't really any other teams in the vicinity. The next team after UConn was Kentucky, which only had two wins. So mm -hmm. it was really just cut and dry through the top 32. Unfortunately, you have to make break a tie between 31 and 32, and it was a head-to-head. -head, so you can't complain, right? Head-to-head, -head, Oregon straight up beat Connecticut at Nuttycomb. So therefore, Oregon women are going to the national championship. Am I correct in seeing that the only team then from the, your latest top 25 that didn't make the meet is Liberty? Is that correct? I wouldn't know off the top of my head. I would have to... Um, I don't know. You would have to do that own research. But oh, I, Liberty, I did have on. ranked. They're not in. Weber, so you'd have to Weber look State. it up. I don't know. Weber State also, right? So this is the back half. So Stanford, Liberty, Weber State, Michigan State, Iowa State in, Michigan in, Washington in, Providence, Wisconsin, Oregon, and Syracuse. So Liberty and Weber State, I guess, would be the big, the bigger surprises of teams that were not included in this field because we, I mean, Weber State, right? That's just a, a victim of that that mountain, right there. They were eighth today, two hundred twelve points or thirteen points back of of Utah State. You mentioned Utah State pushing in NAU, but Mountain put a lot of put a lot of bodies or put a lot of teams on that on that plane to Tallahassee. But man, Oregon, yeah, barely getting in there. What do you think? On the mountain side, uh, Weber State basically. You only get one push per region, and Northern right. Arizona took that push slot. So really, it was on Weber State to be the one to get the push. And because Northern Arizona ran well enough to be the one that get pushed, Weber State was kind of be on the outside looking in kind of no matter what, because, you know, it basically was going to be either Northern Arizona's going or Weber State's going, and it kind of played out at the Mountain Regional. So that's why Weber State didn't qualify. And Liberty... Yeah. You know, they could have, they needed, they didn't get third in their region. They could have been a bubble team. But hey, one thing you like about these results, though, as much as it sucks probably for, I'm sure, Connecticut fans out there, mm -hmm. there, it's, we weren't breaking ties between teams with like one win or two wins or three wins. Like it took five wins to qualify in the 31st spot, which is good. There's been years where it only takes one win or two wins to qualify in a 31st spot, which is like, all right, now we're just dealing with random luck. But the fact that there was a, an obvious, all right, all these teams have five wins or more, yeah. just feels more cut and dry with Connecticut yeah. just being the odd team out at number 32. So when you look at the whole women's field, are there any surprises other than the two ranked teams that didn't make it? Anything that is a little different than you expected? I mean, there's always like the surprise. The Texas women, they didn't qualify, and the, they lost to Rice, right? Who no one had really Rice on their big board as an auto slot. But at the same time, there wasn't a team that we thought was like a top fifteen caliber team that didn't qualify. All the teams that qualified should, you know, if you didn't qualify, you probably at best were going to finish like twenty eighth at nationals. So, yeah, it's. It's it's okay. okay. I think we should be okay with this field. The field is mature. It's premier. It's good. I like it. I'm I'm good with the field. Okay. My other question then, 
let's put our focus on the top of this list. Did you see anything from any one of the podium contenders? I talked for a bit about New Mexico earlier, but did you see anything from the podium contenders to make you feel better or worse about them? Any one of those, that group in the, in that you think is going to get in the top four? Um, not really. I mean, you gotta just, you can't look at the mountain regional results between New Mexico, Colorado, or BYU with any type of analysis, because all those women were running as a formality. They weren't running to like get every last position. They were running as a pat. It's like, we're all going, it's fine. Who cares if we finish first, second, or third we're going. So you can't really take much from that. Same with NC state. They dominated the way they should. Um, there were some teams that I was kind of shocked about, uh, kind of barely got in like Oklahoma state women. They only had five women, I think finish. So they were mm -hmm. on the verge of not qualifying, but they came together and were able to beat Iowa state in the end. It didn't really matter. Right. Because, um, you know, they were going to Iowa state and Oklahoma state were both going. So, yeah. Yeah. The mountain is really a result that you can't really think much of. So. Yeah. Well, and you met, you brought up a good point earlier with Alabama with Taisma not running and the potential for them. Now, maybe it's not all the way up to a podium, but if, if there's a team that can be a big mover, we haven't, you know, I'm 26 there, right? The 26 team in, we obviously, they're going to outperform that, especially if they're able to add her back in because their first three are so good as they proved again today, and they could have the individual champion as well. Do you want to move on to the men now? I do. Are you, you still doing math on the men, or do you have the no, men? No, the math, the math is complete. Okay. The math is done. We are ready to okay, go. Do you, want it, do, you want to just, do you want to do this reverse? Do you want to announce the teams and then talk about the regions, or do you want to talk about the regions and then announce the teams, like we did with the women? Uh, let's talk about the regions really quickly. Okay. Just do like, do it in two minutes or less. Okay. This is the Kevin two minutes or less top two regional analysis. Just me? And wow. It's just you. You're doing it. Start south and work your way down to the west and then we'll reveal the, the top 31. Go. Oh, all right. Here we go. So with the south, we have Ole Miss and Alabama making it just like on the women's side, the Alabama men really strong up front, three, four, five behind a Florida State duo of Wildshut and Muhammad, but Old Miss Pack wins out, so they go through. Southeast, Wake Forest and Furman advance. Mid-Atlantic, Princeton and Georgetown. Northeast, we had the same as the women, but just flipped. So we had Syracuse making it, and Harvard getting in second. Midwest, everybody wanted to see, hey, how fast is Wesley Kipu going to run? Well, he ran fast enough to win and not much faster. Oklahoma State, though, wins it, and they win it with Isai Rodriguez finishing back in the pack. Got questions about that. Don't know if he was chilling, if there's more going on there. I'm sure you've already texted Dave Smith, so we'll figure that out in a little bit here. But Oklahoma State makes it. Iowa State second. That's not a surprise. Those two always fun when they lock horns. South Central. Texas and Arkansas, you look at the splits, Arkansas was leading pretty much the whole way until the very end when Texas made a late run to pass them. Still think Arkansas's solid squad has a chance at the title here based on just how strong they are. They were just cruising through to qualify. Great Lakes, Great Lakes, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, 
one and two. No surprises there. I thought Notre Dame looked solid across the board. Uh, Yard de Goose was running, which is which is good as a sight to see if you're a fighting Irish fan. And Wisconsin solid as always. Mountain reports are that we have results, and it's BYU and NAU. Not a big surprise there. Connor Mance one, Nico Young two, three was blurred obstructed view from a iPhone camera that I couldn't see and fourth, fifth and sixth I couldn't see as well either, but we'll figure that out later. And then the West, Stanford and Washington go one and two. Again, good result for the Huskies. Similar result as the women with Stanford and Washington going one, two, Oregon ran well enough to qualify, but we'll talk about the qualifiers in a second. That was Kevin's two minute regional report. Back to you, Gordon. Thank you. I'll take it from here. Um, we got an interesting. We got we got an interesting. Uh, oh, way hold on. These can I add one thing? Teams played out. Well, what's that? Add it. Bonus time. Can I add one thing? We're going to real extra quick. innings. Well, I okay. want to talk about the West real. I want to talk about the West real quick because I mentioned Oregon, the Oregon men. They got fourth. You know who got third? Who? The much maligned by Gordon Mack. <laughs> Portland Pilots. You know why? Because it turns out Rob Connor up to his old tricks again. Rob Connor, lying in wait the whole season, just trying to make you look silly, just trying to make you create all these clips that are on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook where you're like, I don't know, maybe it's not Portland. And then old Rob Connor goes out there and they get third in a really strong region with 94 points and they beat Oregon. That's my West addendum. Trust me, I've had a a long back and forth conversation with Rob throughout this early, late, late afternoon leading up to the West Regional uh, based off like seeing, oh, Iona didn't take the auto. We were going back and forth on uh, what his team's chances were. Um, I I can probably, I'll reveal this, Portland is making the meet, um, but Portland needed to finish fifth or better. I had them, the coaches had them, I had them at sixth in the region. Uh, they needed to finish fifth or better to qualify and to finish third. So they actually, they caused a little chaos because I'll get into when we do the the uh, announcement here. But Portland's third place position actually caused a little bit of chaos. And we'll get into it. What I'll explain the chaos when we get to it. He's an agent of chaos too. He's not just making you look silly. He's making all the polls look silly too. I exactly. Like uh, okay. Number 19, you know who is it? Let's do it. Number 19. I mean, this is the most obvious number 19. It is Colorado, uh, a team that is in podium contention. Uh, They're in the mountain region. They just happen to be behind BYU and NAU. They had 12 wins. They were going no matter what was going to happen. They are in. Next team also had a a ton of wins. The Michigan Wolverines. uh, They had nine wins. The next best team had seven. You're in. Speaking of the next best team having seven, we are basically the first three teams were very separate from the rest. Florida State, they are qualifying to the meet. And Alabama is lucky they 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 beat Florida State in the regional because um, mm-hmm. Alabama doesn't has as have as many wins, and Alabama would have been a bubble team if they didn't get that auto top yeah. two in their region. But Florida State, they're in at number 21. Um one more uh, team going in that didn't require a uh, 
uh, a tiebreaker because the first three yeah. teams all didn't require tiebreakers is Tulsa. So the, actually the first four teams in required no tiebreakers. They all had the most wins. Tulsa had six. So Colorado had 12, Michigan had nine, Florida State had seven wins, and Tulsa had six wins. And now we get to tiebreaker season, which is the best kind of mm. season, right? Tiebreaker season. Yeah. So indeed, four teams in. Now we're down to tiebreakers. The first tiebreaker is between teams with uh, five wins each. And right. the three teams that we are dealing with here are Butler, Oregon, and Air Force. Tiebreaker is, I, I could break it down, but when you're dealing with three-way tiebreakers, there's multiple levels of how you go head-to-head and common opponents and win-loss between the three of you. Um, the tiebreaker goes to Air Force. Air Force gets in. They were fourth in the mountain region. They win the first tiebreaker between Butler, Oregon, and Air Force. Oregon still now. Okay. Here's where it gets weird. All right. Tell me about it. Oregon now, when he, when he went and let Air Force in, Oregon becomes the team with the most wins. However, Oregon is being blocked by Portland because Portland beat them. So if Oregon goes in, Portland needs to go with them as a push. But gotcha. the way the rule goes, if Portland can get in on their own, eventually, then you can't let Oregon push in Portland. And so therefore, what's happening now is Oregon, they're going to the meet, but they're not going to be selected at number 24. They are going to be selected later. And when that happens, it affects the, or, the who gets in next. I'm, I'm kind of not explaining it well. But basically, Oregon should be selected here. But because they finished behind Portland, they're not going to be selected until later on in the process. And they're being blocked because by Portland. They're because they're being blocked by Portland. But because of this okay. block, it's really screwing over teams that finished behind Oregon because Boise State and Gonzaga both lost to Oregon, right? So therefore, Boise State and, and Gonzaga are like, hey, please let Oregon in because we can't mm -hmm. go until Oregon goes. But yeah. Portland says, no, no, we're going to take our time. We're going to take our time to let Oregon in. So basically, Portland is screwing over Gonzaga and Boise State right now to get a little rivalry okay. between West Coast Conference, between Gonzaga and Portland thrown down. So yeah, Boise and Gonzaga are hating Rob Connor and the Portland Pilots because they are screwing up the West selection process. Got that out of the way. So Oregon not getting selected right now, but the team that is going to get selected is Michigan State and Butler. Michigan State is going in because they're getting pushed in. They actually had like no wins, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Butler had five. They're pushing in Michigan State. So two teams from the Great Lakes take up those two mm -hmm. spots. So if you're boys, if you're boys in Gonzaga, you're like, all right, please let Oregon and Portland in next. Please, please. The thing is, they're not in yet. So number 26 is not going to be Portland and Oregon. It's going to be uh. Southern Utah. Southern Utah from the mountain region, they get in. They had five wins. Portland and Oregon are still just taking their time to be selected. They're like, oh, no, not yet. And for those who want to know, the moment Portland and Oregon are going to get selected here is when 
Portland is ranked number one among all the teams. But Southern Utah has more wins than Portland. So Portland and Oregon are just chilling. They're like, I right, know, okay. after you, Southern Utah. Five slots remain. So Southern Utah's in. Next team in, because Portland and Oregon are chilling, playing cards, not choosing to be selected, North Carolina is getting selected. Oh, wow. North Wait, Carolina how many wins out of the South. How many wins does Portland have that? at this point? How many so, like when you're doing this? So North Carolina has four wins and Portland has three. Okay. So that's why North Carolina gets in. And Portland and, as a result, Oregon are chilling. Now, Portland has four wins, right? But so does Minnesota now. And here's the thing. Minnesota wins the tiebreaker against Portland. So Minnesota oh goes in and Portland and Oregon are just chilling. So now Minnesota takes a spot. Now we're down to two, three left Jeez. and they're kind of writing on the wall. Now Portland has the most wins. They have four wins. They're going in. And as a result, obviously Oregon will follow. And then when you do that, like I said, I said Boise and Gonzaga were waiting for Portland and Oregon to go in. Yeah. They waited long enough to only let one spot remain. And Gonzaga gets the spot over Boise State because Gonzaga finished head to head. Gonzaga. Gonzaga is your last team in. Gonzaga uh, had 13 wins. Uh, the next best team had two wins in Weber State. <laughs> Boise State had, let's see how many wins Boise State had. Boise State had eight wins. Jeez. So Boise State basically is the team that got most screwed over because Portland decided to beat Oregon. So when you that. say the, the you so when you're saying the push doesn't happen because they're going to get in later on, how do they figure yes. out that they're going to get in later on? Well, you just simulate the selection. Gotcha. And if you simulate it that Portland could get in at number 29, that means you you don't let them into number 29. Now, if we simulated it and Portland gets in at number 32, aka doesn't get in. Yeah. Well, it's not Portland getting, it's Oregon. Oregon needs to get in. Oregon get in. Excuse yeah, me, yeah. it's not Portland. So you simulate to Oregon get can get in on their own, which they did at number 30. But if Oregon couldn't get in until number 32, that means what would happen is Portland and Oregon would have gone in right away when they first were selected. Yeah. That's something that happened here with Michigan State and Butler. Michigan State got pushed in by Butler. Michigan State and Butler were going in together. And if you simulated it, Butler would not have gotten in on their own unless they were able to push Michigan State in. So that's resulting by that. So that's our results. But okay. yeah, Oregon there on the edge on both the men's and women's side, 30 and 31 on the women. Gonzaga just barely getting in at number 31 with Boise State being the most screwed over team. Yeah. Um, I, so bad break. Bad break for the Bron yes. Broncos. And I have I looked at your top 25 this time. They're one of three top 25 teams that didn't make it. Utah State and Iona, who ended the year at 14 and did not make it. They got third in the Northeast today. Did not get in. Yeah, Iona, I I was bullish on them the entire season. I had them winning the regional. They got third in their region. They needed to get top two. They almost got second. There was just a few points behind. 
But uh, yeah, Iona just, I guess, Jack O'Leary didn't run, and he's one of their top guys. They've been dealing with some injuries. Uh, John Jack Millar, he's a guy with long blonde hair, used to run. He wasn't there. So Iona had the bodies, but two to three of them were injured, and they just weren't able to put it together. They were kind of one man short to not qualify as a team. I'll ask the same question that I did with the women of the podium contenders. What did you see from that group? Podium contenders. So well, hold on. Actually, hold on. I have a, I have a more fact based question. Do we know Rodriguez's status? Was he just cruising? Uh, I texted my source, aka his head coach. I asked him, "Was Isai just chilling?" Question mark. And he did not respond. So, okay. all right. To be continued on that. I'm all guessing right, he was you. just chilling. Well, like. I'm sure he was like, hey, help out the team. Let's work together. He ran right next to his other, uh, like a freshman teammate. Yeah. So well, at, I'm at not first worried. I didn't, I'm not worried. At first, I didn't think he ran. I skimmed through the results after the first couple guys too quickly. And I thought, oh, they're just resting him. Power move. Power move. But then I saw that he was farther back. I don't know. I think that's a good sign. Because <laughs> if he was really hurt, then he wouldn't have run at all. But to be continued. I'm sure you have the answer by Monday's NCAA Cross Country Show. All right. Uh, yeah, answer my initial question. What did you see from the podium contenders? Anything concern you? Yeah, so you? discourage and encourage. Arkansas men take, took it way too easy in the South Central. I mean, they had a reason to. They knew no, they, could, come on. they could walk they it and fine. qualify. But they lost to Texas. I mean, but Texas and Arkansas were just basically a pack and whatever. So that was a little bit. Notre Dame ran very well. I was very impressed with Notre Dame. They had six guys strong. Uh, through Great Lakes against a good Wisconsin team, right? So that was impressive. BYU, it's, I mean, you won the re the hardest region, so that means something. Um, but it doesn't mean everything, right? Like we said on the women's side. Um, NAU, you're kind of like, all right, what, what can you kind of take from this? So I was looking at the results for the NAU men. Um, yeah. Obviously, Nico ran well. Drew Bosley probably was just chilling. He got he was a third man. Abdi Hamid Nur was probably just chilling. He was their second man. So they didn't run their number four guy in George Kush. Kushe? Kush? Kusha. 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 They didn't run him. He's a miler. I'm 100% guessing this is like, hey, you're a miler. You don't need two 10Ks. We can qualify without you. Chill. Yeah. Run a 5K this weekend and then get ready for a 10K next weekend. So mm -hmm. the question here for NAU was how good are their 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 eventual five, four, five, six type guys? Ryan Raff ran well. I mean, yeah. he finished 13th overall, but Ryan Raff also runs well at this meet all the time and then mm -hmm. finishes like 150th at nationals. Um, Theo Quacks didn't run that well. He finished in 26th, so that's a question mark. Brody Hasty finished back in 30th. So NAU on a good day is going to win. NAU on a bad day is not going to win. They don't have enough depth to overcome average or bad days. Again, you can say that from pretty much most teams, but I do. I think Notre Dame could have a, maybe I change this. If NAU has a an A minus day, I feel like they lose. Yeah. But if Notre Dame has an A minus day, I feel like Notre Dame would win. I feel like if Oklahoma State has an A-minus day, 
they might win. But if Notre if NAU has an A minus day, I don't think they win. Now here's the thing: NAU is a thousand percent capable of having an A or an A plus day, so it doesn't it's not the end of the world. But the margin I, of uh, error for NAU is a lot smaller than it is for Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, in my opinion. Well, and a lot smaller than in years past. I don't think they just need to avoid being bad. I think even a mediocre performance, they'll get beat. There's enough contenders there that one of those teams is going to have a good day or a solid day at least. I think they need to be sharp in Tallahassee, which, okay, it's in the obvious. You need to be good to win a national championship. Thanks, Kevin. That was really helpful. But in years past, you're looking at their seven and you're thinking, all right, two guys can fall off the side of this course and they'll be fine because they have such a big buffer. Just don't think that exists this year. Different type of team. Yeah. There's flaws we'll in all these we'll teams. Break it down. All these teams are we'll flawed. Break it down. There's no there's no perfect team. Yeah. For sure. I mean, like um, BYU, they they beat NAU here. Their top four were great. Uh their fifth was David Thompson, a freshman, Lucas Bonds, DNF'd. And when you look at their three four, Brandon Garnica, like, hey, are we gonna get Brandon Garnica who runs thirteen thirty in a five K? Yeah. Are we gonna get Brandon Garnica who DNF'd, right? Aiden Troutner, oh, no. he's a freshman. Are we gonna get an out of his mind run and finish beat someone like Drew Bosley, or is he gonna finish in the fifties? You know, you just mm -hmm. don't know. Yeah. So I think one thing with with NAU, you're super confident about the top two. Which again, doesn't really put to mind all the fears that you have going into a cross country race because you could have a solid four and you'd still worry about your fifth. But Nico and Abi Ahmed have been great this year, and they've they've proven themselves to be. Really solid. Bosley, I, I feel good about Bosley as well, too. It's just been a bit. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the top 15 as well. So uh, if you got questions, put them in the chat. Remember, Gordon is one of the seven people who knows how this system works. Um, we got one from Myler per hour 21. This is how does Minnesota make it over Boise? You want to explain that again? Yeah, sure. Uh, so let me bring it up. So Again, Boise can't get in until Portland and Oregon are in, right? Because Portland finished third, Oregon finished fourth, and Boise finished sixth. So, again, you can't have someone West – can't, West can't get in until – excuse me. The West needs to get in Portland. In order for Boise to get in, you need Portland, Oregon, Gonzaga, and Boise State to all get in. So that means – Portland needs to be selected by the 27th slot, right? No, no, yep. excuse me, the 28th slot. So yep. therefore, in order for Boise to get in, you would need Portland to be picked at number 28. So therefore, let's look at the number 28 selection. You needed Portland to beat Minnesota for the number 28 spot for Boise to get in. And Minnesota had four wins. Southern Utah, North Carolina, Syracuse, and Butler. Portland yeah. had four wins. Southern Utah, North Carolina, Syracuse, and Butler. But they got their same wins at the same meet at Nuttycomb. But who won between Minnesota and Portland? They raced head-to-head, -head and Minnesota beat Portland head-to-head. -head. So, therefore, Minnesota got that 28th spot. Okay. Portland gets a 29th spot, and therefore, Boise's out. So, so that one minor, 
No one paid attention to that result at all at Nuttycomb. You could have listed the top 10 things that you took away from Nuttycomb and that would not have been in there, probably the top 50. But that one result shifted things to keep Boise State out of the meet. Yeah, so Minnesota finished 15th at this meet. Portland finished yeah. 16th. Minnesota scored 413 points. Portland scored 422 points. So it was a difference of nine points and at this meet is why Boise State is not at this meet. Now, get this. Boise State finished 12th at this meet. They beat both of these teams. Yeah, yeah. Right? So Boise State basically can – basically they could say, hey, we shouldn't have – finished sixth in our region we should have finished fifth and we would have gone in like i said need to finish fifth that's why i said to portland portland needed to finish fifth or better they finished third boise state did not finish fifth or better they finished sixth. that's why boise state's out uh, another question any interesting individual qualifications you're, you're challenging me here i haven't dove deep into the top 25 of the 18 races i mean uh, athlete that no one is talking about that I've been ranking high throughout the, the year in the Southeast region on the men's side, he won Athanas Kyoko. Kyoko. Yep. He won the, he won by about 20 seconds over everyone else. Mm -hmm. 439 average mile ran 2858 for the 10k. Watch out for him. He's going to push the pace. He's going to be there with. All the top guys, so yeah. I'll go with yeah, Thomas Kyoko. If you want to be entertained, go back and watch his greatest hits from the 2019 cross-country season. He put together quite <laughs> the sizzle reel of going out crazy fast and slowing down in the middle of the race and all these crazy moves. And, I yeah, I want to see how he, he handles this race. The one in March, the course was so different than what they're going to run in, in Tallahassee. I know we're running back a lot of the same teams, but the result could be different just because the terrain that they're competing on is so diametrically opposite of what they had to, to do in, in Stillwater. Next question. How close, this is from Blake, how close was Kentucky to qualifying on the women's side? Then he asked about Kentucky. Weaver, Montana, and Utah. Yeah. How close was Kentucky? Um... Bring your calculations. Kentucky was uh, pretty far out. So Kentucky only had two wins, Butler and Notre Dame. Uh, they're, the way they would actually had a best chance of getting in was being pushed in by Furman, who only had three wins, Butler, Notre Dame, and Harvard. Um, mm -hmm. But there were just too many teams that had like five, like I said, five wins. So uh, they're, they're, they were kind of far away. In order for like these other teams to get in, you needed something like Harvard to not qualify as a team. You needed a team like West Virginia to not qualify as a team. So they were far away. I mean, obviously you can project and recalculate the order of every regional to make it so Kentucky gets in, but yeah, they were not in with when it came down to the end of it. Like by the time Mountain and the West were about to go. Kentucky was not going to get qualified. Do you want to answer another individual question or do you want to pass on all those? What is it? You, you're, you're, uh, you decide to, you're the guy who decides uh, the questions. Uh, uh, well, I don't want to make you look silly. Does Minnesota getting in get Isaac Bastian from Drake in? Is a question. 
Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I like Drake, so let's answer this question. Okay, good. Because Gordon likes, he likes uh, the pizza place. What's the pizza place? So, right by the state. So who qualified? Um, from Midwest would be OSU and ISU, and then Minnesota. OSU and ISU. Yeah, and Minnesota. And Minnesota qualified. Yeah. And Tulsa qualified, right? Oh, yep. Excuse me, Tulsa as well. So the qualifiers from uh, the Midwest region are Jonathan Davis from Illinois, Adam Fogg of Drake. He finished fourth. Eastern Illinois' Dustin Hatfield, who finished 18th, and then Isaac Baston, um, who finished 19th from Drake. With Mitchell okay. Small of Missouri being the first man out, might get an at-large, we don't know, probably won't, but Mitchell Small, former NAU lumberjack, running for Missouri. Okay. But yeah, Drake got those two guys in, so they can recreate their finish line celebration. Celebration. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, next one. From, okay, Myler Prowers, he's got a follow-up here. Minnesota over Boise makes sense, but how does UNC get picked over Portland? This is good. This is graduate-level stuff here. I love this. Graduate-level stuff. Well, because everybody just how takes does... what Gordon says. And this, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, so I, I what's gospel. the question? How does... So he says... Minnesota over Portland. So how does North Carolina get in over Portland? How does UNC get picked over Portland? Okay. I really so hope someone when, finds an error in this and you have to redo the entire thing with five minutes left in the pod. That's what I'm hoping for. Okay, so when we're picking the 27th slot, the teams that are eligible to be picked are North Carolina, Portland, Minnesota, Providence, Weber State, Nova, Indiana, Montana State, and then a bunch of others like Lamar, Arkansas State, teams that don't have wins. So yeah. Villanova, Indiana, and Montana State all have one win. Providence and Weber State have two wins. Portland and Minnesota have three wins, and North Carolina only has four. Has four. So has four, North yeah. Carolina has four wins, and Portland has three. What those wins are, I'll tell you. Uh, so North Carolina – this is actually fun to answer. So North Carolina beat Syracuse, Butler, Princeton, and Florida State, whereas Portland beat uh, Southern Utah, Syracuse, and Butler. Okay. So even though Portland did beat North Carolina, Portland had three wins, Southern Utah, Syracuse, and Butler. North Carolina had four wins, Syracuse, Butler, Princeton at Paul Short, and Florida State at ACC champs. So even though Portland beat North Carolina head-to-head, it doesn't matter because North Carolina has four wins, Portland has three. So Portland's fourth win becomes North Carolina once they get selected. So once they get it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. All right, this question is uh, from Kevin S., your co-host. What, what's the deal, Gordon, with this? Like that, the rule that you're talking about where if a team behind it, – it, like the, you're not going to push in because they're going to get in later on anyway. What is that trying to prevent? What's the point of that? So the point of it is – This is not for me, by the way. They only S. want – the point of it is they only want to let teams in the meet get in by themselves. So, I mean, I, I don't know the whole actual like logic of why they chose to make this rule. 
So th there's two different types of teams that get put that you say you're a team. So first of all, a team that gets pushed in, you can't get wins over. So right. Michigan State got pushed in by Butler. If you beat Michigan State, you don't get credit for that win later on in the selection process. So they want to make sure all the teams that are getting pushed in are teams that that's their only way of getting in. And because Portland, like another way you could have gotten other these uh, Boise State and Bo another way Boise State could have got in is if Portland was worse in the regular season. Like if Portland had no wins, then Oregon would have pushed them in right away. And therefore then uh, there would have been, then all the West teams would have gotten in. But yeah, I don't know the exact reason why the coaches made it a rule, but it's just the rule. The rule is if you're a team that can get in on your own, you're not allowed to be pushed. If you're a team that can't get in on your own, you're allowed to be pushed. And then that's it. Okay. So uh, one more question here and then uh, we'll wrap it up. Uh, Sebastian wants to know, does Peter Harold of UCLA get in individually? And he's wondering about what's the, what's the individual qualification process? So from UCLA? Yeah. I'll find out. So what they do it largest for you gotta individuals. Help, to... You got to help me out by telling me who the teams are in the West that qualified, and I can tell you. So Stanford. Gonzaga qualified, Oregon, Portland. Washington. Yeah, it's just those five. And Stanford and Washington? Yep. Okay. So who do you want to know about? Harold. Okay, so... What's the First process? of all, three Boise, th three Boise State athletes are getting in. DeCaro, Ibrahim, yeah, and Reese, because they finished 8th, 15th, and 18th. So they're in. The next guy in is going to be UC Santa Barbara's uh, Nick Randazio, who finished 20th. And then Peter Harold, he's on the bubble. So the way it works is, in order for it to be selected individually, first qualification is you need to finish top 25 in your region. Doesn't matter how good your region is or bad is. If you finish 26, you're not even you don't you have zero chance. So they only look at the top 25 athletes. All right. So Peter Harold he finished 24th, so he's allowed to be selected. Now they look at they remove all of the athletes who qualified as a team. In this case, DeCaro eighth, Ibrahim fifteenth, Reese eighteenth, Renzaro twentieth, and Harold in twenty-four. So these are the five athletes that are allowed to be selected. The top four of the five automatically go from every region. So four, four, four from all uh, nine regions, they go. And then they take two more at large. Of the fifth, of the fifth place finishers. Of the fifth place finishers or sixth place finishers. Okay. You know, because there might be a, a region that, and it could be even more, Say you're a region where there's only like three individuals who finish top 25. That's another spot that opens up for another at-large person. So top so four individuals be, who are in the top, in the top 25, gotcha. they auto, and then there's two at-large. So gotcha. in order for Pierre Harold to get in, he needs to hope. Okay, so but then the tiebreaker is it's going to be hard for him to get in, I'll be honest, because there may be a situation where there's a fifth-place finisher in a different region who finished better than 24th, that athlete will be picked before him. Okay. That makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. 
don't know. Right. Hopefully it makes sense to the guy. He's he's got it, the odds are not in his favor. It could be, but I, I'll just say I'm guessing there are probably two athletes in another region somewhere who finish fifth and sixth individually who finish better than 24th. So gotcha. that's what I would all say. Right. But you can easily look well, it up. Think- just bring all the results up and search. There you go. There you go. All right, Gordon. Uh, for next year, yeah. I'm just making mental notes. So one thing I'm going to do next okay. year, I'm going to have the envelopes. I'm going to hand okay. you the envelopes. And then next year, I think what I'm going to do to make the show better, selection 19 and 20 are really obvious, usually, because it's a team yeah. from a power region getting in. But I'm going to act like it's not obvious. So you're going to say, and the number 19 team is BYU women. I'm be like, what? <laughs> really? Oh, damn. Something like that. Just to okay. spice it up. Because I think the beginning of it is a li- from 19 to 25 is kind of boring. And then the action really gets going in that back half. Now, for the men, we had a little bit, had a little bit of an Easter egg there with, with the Portland situation when we found out old Rob Connor was up to his tricks again. But you, you, I need something to spice up those first four or five. So I can do a better job with that. That's my promise for you for next year's championships. Probably maybe some music, like Oscar type music. So maybe Ooh. when I'm going on and on about a team, you gotta wrap it up, Gordon. We gotta go on to the next team. There you go. That's good. Okay. Uh, so Monday you're gonna do the NCAA cross country show, or is that Tuesday? Oh, by the way, no, it's Tuesday. If people are conf- if people, yeah, it's it's on YouTube. If people are confused about the selection process, the the most recent NCAA cross country show that's posted on YouTube, Gordon walks through it step by step. Now. The problem is there's weird tiebreaker situations and there's weird rules that either don't get brought up because Gordon didn't have time to go down every single rabbit hole or they're just confusing and there's so many thousands of tiebreakers that it gets confusing yeah. after a while. But you'll, you'll get a basic idea of it. I think a lot of people who are new to the sport maybe don't even get the concept of wins yet. And you'll at least explain because they'll say, well... This team, they got eighth in the region. They got a ton of wins, and they don't understand the process of how teams are even considered for selection. So people should check out the NCAA Cross Country Show from last week. You go through step-by-step with visual aids for people to understand. But Tuesday, you'll break down this more. Monday, we'll have Flow Track Podcast, maybe talking about NCAA Cross Country. But that'll be the focus of next week, basically, heading into the big meet next Saturday. Yeah, and we're doing a, a, we'll do a live podcast on Saturday during the meet. So the first race is at, I believe, 9.20. Mm. We'll go live at 9.20 Central Time. We'll go live at 9 a.m. Central on YouTube. Might have a special guest. And we'll uh, real-time react to uh, the NCAA Championships. That's news to me about the special guests. Hopefully that wasn't my job to find the special guest. Is Cole no, we're doing this? I, is Cole I, I, put him on the, I put it on the schedule. I don't know. Okay, well, we'll, we'll make we'll it happen. It might be a Timberwolves game the night before that keeps them up late. All right. Flowtrack Podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to the Flowtrack Podcast YouTube channel and the Flowtrack YouTube channel if you haven't as well. I'm doing race breakdowns there. I put up Keely Hodgkinson's 800-meter outdoor breakthrough just today where she broke two minutes outdoors for the first time. Thanks, Colt, for producing. Thanks to my co-host, Gordon. I'm Kevin. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great weekend.